How has the reversal of Roe versus Wade impacted activism in the pro-life movement? Does Roe's reversal make our work of bringing the truth about abortion into the public square easier or harder? I'll have Father Frank Pavone from Priest for Life on the air today to discuss that. Plus, notorious late-term abortionist Warren Hearn recently went on PBS to discuss his spectacular career in killing babies. I'll respond to this blatant fake news puff piece also today on The Mark Harrington Show. Activist Radio, The Mark Harrington Show, is brought to you by Created Equal, and you can support our work by donating, going to createdequal.org. There's a little donate link on the right side, or you can go to the Mark Harrington Show's website at markharringtonshow.com. Also, if you like the program or you're listening to it on terrestrial radio, you can subscribe to our podcast and pick up the show 24-7, and if you do, please leave a five-star review. I am your radio activist, and uh, we're here to talk about the thing that matters most to me, and that is how do we defend the unborn in a post-Roe world? If you're tuning into the activist radio, that's what you get. You get the marching orders in the culture war, and that's what we're going to be doing today. And my good friend and colleague in the work, Father Frank Pavone has joined us today. Father Frank, thanks for being on the program. Oh, Mark, it's always good to be with you, uh, whether it's on media or out there on the streets. So thanks for what all that you do, uh, you and Created Equal. What a valuable uh, element in the pro-life movement for for activism. We really appreciate it. Well, I appreciate it. You know, we've had some discussions offline lately about the role of activism now in a post-Roe world. You know, we, yeah. we've been fighting this political battle now for 49 years. Not that we weren't doing activism. We were, of course. But it was a very big battle in at the federal level to try to reverse Roe versus Wade. And now that that has happened, now that Roe is overturned, we have to reevaluate our tactics and our strategy as it comes to, you know, now what do we do? Because it's a changing atmosphere almost daily on the ground. And so yeah. you and I have had a few discussions here and there on the side. And I wanted to bring you on the uh, program to kind of discuss what role that activism will play in a post-Roe America. So mm-hmm. I know you've been an activist for many years, activist priest, priest right? right? I've been an activist for over two decades. You know, we've got a lot of history between us. But now things have changed a bit. So how does activism play a part in this new paradigm of a post-Roe America? Well, Mark, it's more important a part than ever. Uh, You know, the first thing pro-life people have to do now that we've had this Dobbs decision reversing Roe is to understand what the Dobbs decision said. And and it did not take a position on how much protection the unborn should have. Uh, It was a pro-life victory, but it wasn't a pro-life victory Uh, because it took a position on the protection of the unborn. It was a pro-life victory because it took a big roadblock out of the way towards protecting the unborn. You know, when 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 Roe had imposed on us for 50 years, almost uh, the idea that there's a constitutional right to abortion, that would shut down a lot of fruitful discussion and argument about abortion. And it caused people, even the 
district court that got the Dobbs case to begin with in Mississippi, it would shut down any consideration of the evidence as to why these babies should be protected from the violence mm-hmm. of abortion. Why? Well, because who wants to argue against the constitutional right? People would say, oh, it's a constitutional right. And then it, 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 it sorts of, sort of like end of discussion. Right. Okay. Now that's out of the way. And so this is more of a challenge for the other side than for us, because we, including via the, the uh, methods uh, that you've been perfecting over all these years of showing people what an aborted baby looks like, uh, we have been arguing this case on its merits. Here's what abortion is. Here's why it's wrong. Here's why these babies need to be protected. The other side, first of all, has no merits uh, to their position. And they haven't been arguing the, the issue on the merits. They've just been hiding behind the court. Now they can't hide behind the court anymore. What does this mean? That means when we go out there and we show people what an abortion is mm-hmm. and we intervene uh, to save these lives directly at the abortion facilities, for example, we educate people in any other uh, of the, the variety of ways that we educate them publicly on the streets. Those arguments now have more impact because mm-hmm. absent is that roadblock that shuts down argument saying, oh, but it's a constitutional right. No more. If you want to have abortion, you've got to show us that it's a good thing. And we'll keep going out there showing you that it's a bad thing. Uh, And Mark, this is this is what has changed in many ways. What we do remains the same, but the impact of it is now different and it's better for us. Yeah, and we've noticed that on college and high school campuses more recently in the uh, aftermath of the Dobbs decision, and that is that people are reevaluating the abortion issue. Yeah, uh, everyone's talking about it now, and they have been yeah. for over six months since the Alito leak. Even before that, right? Uh, it, it's kind of a new and fresh debate, and they're wondering, you know, what is it about this abortion thing that is such a big deal? And we are now getting. You know, I expected a real backlash. We've seen some of that, of course, with uh, the arsons and the attacks and the vandalism and some of the violence towards pro-life activists and groups. But to be honest with you, on college campuses, we've seen a new receptivity to the notion that abortion is an act of violence and it kills a baby. And so I think we have an opportunity here, a window, if you will, to educate the American people like we didn't before. Absolutely. We're finding exactly the same thing. And so, Father Frank, I want to ask you this. I want to obviously get into the issue of victim photography. You've been an advocate of that for decades. But I want to ask you, you know, there's been several cases before the United States Supreme Court regarding religious freedom and liberty. And I wonder if there's any impact for us as activists who use abortion victim photography and video in the public square, whether these decisions will help us uh, be able to continue to do that? Because as you know, we get a lot of backlash from that, uh, from uh, government entities and other you know, college campuses and so forth. What is your take on that? Yeah, it's going to help us. You know, I think people are still uh, largely uninformed about how much victory we had back in June of 2022, not only mm-hmm. with the reversal of Roe, but the, with the reversal of some very harmful religious liberty uh, restrictions that the court had imposed for decades. We had, for example, we have, for example, a coach who was praying in public, uh, you know, at Coach Kennedy and his rights were vindicated. We had a woman who was distributing religious flyers in a, in a park. 
uh, and her rights were, were, were vindicated. For decades, the state has talked about uh, and the courts have talked about an excessive entanglement of church and state. And this is why we've seen ridiculous things like, oh, you can't put the the, the, the Christmas manger scene up in the, in the town square or you can't have a cross on public property. The court has now gotten away from that line of reasoning. And the court is very much more friendly now to the right of people to express themselves, even if that expression angers those around them and those around them try to shut them up. Particularly with abortion, we know that there is there is no issue uh, more than, than our issue that people try to shut us up or that people get disturbed and mm-hmm. angry. And we try to point right. out to them, hey, the reason that speech is protected is precisely because people like you are going to try to shut us up. Uh, so <laughs> people getting people getting angry is no reason for us not to say what our message is. So I'm convinced that the religious freedom victories, which changed the whole paradigm really of how free the American people are to express their religious convictions, are going to help us both indirectly and directly. It's simply the the trajectory of the court to protect people's uh, free expression. And it's also the fact that these areas overlap pretty directly because, as you and I know, so many of the people in the pro-life movement, the vast majority, are religious people, are doing this work of protecting the unborn out of a religious motivation and in the course of their activism are expressing their religious convictions. So for all those reasons, you know, not just the reversal of Roe, but the progress in religious freedom is going to help us immensely in the months and years to come. Yeah, and I'd like to build on that a little bit, uh, talking about the uh, the use of abortion victim photography, video in the public square. We've been doing it for decades. Of course, the pioneers were Joe Scheidler and Greg Cunningham and others. We stand on their shoulders, if you will, you know, yeah. been doing these and, and other groups now. And I have noticed just in the last, say, five to 10 years, a new receptivity to the notion that these uh, tactics, the use of these images in the public square, are now more acceptable uh, from the public and from our uh, friends in the pro-life movement. That doesn't mean a lot of them are starting to use them. And let's get that straight. But more people are and less are hostile to it. And I want to get your take on that. You've advocated for the use of victim photography for a very long time. You've been a colleague of mine on that. And and we've stood together in the defense of the use of these. But it's still something people don't. A lot of pro-lifers are a little bit hesitant to do. Would you address that? They are, yes. And I've been finding and and, uh, commenting on the very same uh, shift a very apparent shift uh, in exactly the way you described it. People are more, more, just more open to the validity of that of that tool uh, th- than they were before, even if they themselves aren't using it. And that can only be a good thing. Uh, right. In fact, I was on an Agreed. interview recently with a, a friendly interviewer, uh, and 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 he asked me about this very same topic. And in explaining. You know, as you and I have done uh, for so many years, the the history of social reform and why it makes sense to use these images and how, uh, you know, we see the impact every time we do use them. He actually said on the air, well, okay, you've persuaded me that this is something we should be doing. And, you know, (laughs) I mean, just right before our eyes, when people hear, because I think, Mark, what's important about this 
and 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 we've praised God, we've been all been able to do it together, is that uh, so many people, I think, when they see us using the images, uh, think that this is just some co- sort of a visceral reaction against abortion. Maybe, oh, these people are just, you know, they're angry. Well, yeah, we're angry at the abortionists. Everyone should be angry at abortion itself. But the, when we show them that there's a whole history, that there's a whole rationale, that there's a well-thought-through reason for this strategy and tactic, they're kind of surprised. They say, wow, I didn't know you guys thought this through so much. They say, well, it's not just us. It's social reform movements throughout history that have told Mm -hmm. us we have to visualize the victim. Right. I mean, we are on the right side of history, as they say. Historically, social reformers have always used images to dramatize injustice. It should be true for the pro-life movement as well. Uh, I think people are coming around to that and more people are using it. And that's a good thing, especially right now when Americans are now debating abortion. I think we need to talk about what abortion does. I mean, it is our strongest case against abortion (laughs) is what it does it do to an unborn child. We know the other victim, the woman, often uh, we need to be talking about her and be talking about what we can do to help. Uh, them choose life. But we need to talk about the immorality and injustice of abortion. And historically, we have evidence to prove that this is something that's highly effective. And we have the studies and data. Some people think, oh, we don't have the data. Well, we do actually have the data. If they want to dig into it, there's been several uh, studies done. And folks, you can go to my website, createdequal.org. We have an entire study that was uh, done by Dr. Jacqueline Harvey about this a subject uh, and the good work of Jonathan Van Mare reading, uh, writing about uh, the use of victim photography, if you want, by going to createdequal.org. Well, we're doubling down on it, Father Frank. I mean, yes. <laughs> we're, we're going That's out right. and spreading this more than we ever have because I don't think we cannot outlaw something that the American people don't know what it is. I mean, it's, it's no, that simple. And, and, it's that simple. And, you know, and you know, Mark, we've used this successfully in the political battles too. You know, we're very much as an organization involved in, in all of that. And I always say to the politicians that are pro-abortion, describe what you defend. In all their yeah. speeches, they'll defend abortion, but you'll never right. read the words blood, forceps, dismember, decapitate, arms, legs. You'll never see those words. Where you do see those words is in the medical textbooks on how abortions are done. So I think an ongoing challenge, whether they're running for office or they've been elected to office, the defenders of abortion need to be challenged. Describe what you defend. And they need to be asked, have you ever seen an abortion? And these are two questions that'll, that'll put them on the defensive. Yeah, and I want to get to this last topic for you, uh, Father Frank. I spent a, a bunch of time up in the state of Michigan trying to defeat Prop 3. Yeah, I think your your forces were up there. A lot of groups weighed in on that. Yeah. And, you know, we didn't we didn't prevail. And one I think one of the lessons learned for me was that we got to make the main thing the main thing. I mean, we yeah. need to convince voters that abortion is something they don't want in their state. It right. kills children. And I think when we make it sometimes just about the peripheral issues, which are important, parental notice, other things like that, that it's going to repeal all pro-life laws and it's extreme and all of this. But I, for one, believe we need we have to be educating our voters now if we're going to beat back this new possible wave of the pro-abortion movement bringing these constitutional amendments. What do you think about that? 
you know, the 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 process of a ballot initiative is not a good tool um, for for right. our side. And the legislative process is where we need to be, because, uh, mm-hmm. you know, the other side uses these ballot initiatives um, in a way that shows us if you if you make it a comparison with the national level, how we elect the president. It's not a nationwide popular vote. It's the Electoral College. And the reason right. for that is you want to give Iowa and you want to give Mississippi and you want to give uh, the, you know, the rural states and the smaller states as much of a voice as the bigger states have. If you did it by national popular vote, New York and California would you know, carry every election and wipe out right. the effectiveness of those other votes. That's right. Same thing happens with the statewide ballot initiatives. You got the heavy, heavily populated urban areas outvoting the all the other parts of the state. When we have the legislative process, the state representative out in the smallest, least populated portion of the state, the most red and, and conservative sections, has just as much of a voice as the representative uh, right in the middle of the inner city. The point being point. that we shouldn't be surprised that the other side is using this. There are ways to undo it including, by the way, a federal limit on abortion, which would override the state constitutional provisions. And so that remains a goal. Um, but but people should not think that that's the end of the story. We've got to we've got to fight these things um, in the way that you're saying we've got to simplify the language for people and we've got to make it mark a, 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 a nationwide battle every time an individual state faces one of these one of these initiatives. All of us pro-lifers in all the other states need to get behind them. And we need to make it a national fight, including with resources and financial mm-hmm. resources, uh, just like the other side does to get their pro-abortion effort uh, to, to succeed. Well, I said that was going to be my last question, but I got to ask you, you're a resident uh, and a voter in the state of Florida, yeah, which is the epicenter kind of for the uh, presidential election in 2024. As you know, Donald Trump has declared uh, his intentions to run for re-election. His campaign has begun. There's a lot of discussion about Ron DeSantis. And, uh, of yeah. course, I love Ron DeSantis. I think all of us do as pro-life advocates. I love Donald Trump. I mean, I am a Trump supporter. I'm unashamed <laughs> a Trump supporter. Uh, how do you see this? Because, there's, you know, people say, oh, I want, Don- I want Ron DeSantis. Oh, no, I want Donald Trump. Uh, obviously, somebody's going to emerge as the nominee. What is your take on that, being right there in Florida, watching what's going on? Well, first of all, I, like you, am a strong supporter of President Trump. Of course, you see his picture right here uh, on the, on the <laughs> yeah. set here. And uh, I, always, yeah. I, I always have his picture there because I say to people, if he weren't where he is and where he was as president, we wouldn't be where we are. He defended so ministries true. like ours and uh, from oppressive mandates. He defended the entire pro-life movement. Uh, he got us the Dobbs case, and we wouldn't have it except for him. And, and on and on, it, on and on, it can go. His, I mean, his accomplishments sure. are incredible, incredible litany of accomplishments. So, I endorsed him. In fact, I talked to him just the other day uh, at an event in Mar-a-Lago and uh, expressed my my strong uh, uh, appreciation for everything he's done. Look, the bottom line is he's done it already. So, so you know, I mean, I too am. Uh, I'm so grateful. History. Huh. He's got great history. I mean, we have history with him. He's the only one who can say, look, I'm not going to just give you a great economy or defend our border or or our military. I already did it. 
And therefore, you know, I'm able to do it again. Now, someone like Ron DeSantis, again, he would make a fan. He is a fantastic governor. He hasn't yet been tested on the national stage. Now, that doesn't mean I'm not saying he wouldn't be a great president. I'm saying we don't know that yet, you know, Mm -hmm. because governing a state and governing a nation are two very different things. Yeah. Succeeding in a state and succeeding in your relations with China, Russia, Iran, uh, 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 those are two different things. So I think that that it makes a lot of sense. And here's the other factor, Mark. If he wants to, because he hasn't indicated uh, he's not thrown his hat in the ring yet. He just got reelected governor of Florida. I think he wants to serve what he just got elected to do. So he's got time. That's the thing. But President Trump, time is not on his side. 2024 is his, his, his chance to do this again for us. And then Ron DeSantis can follow. If he wants to, you know, and if he gets that, you know, again, he has to be tested more on the national stage. So those are my initial thoughts. I'm certainly behind President Trump for 2024. And I am as well. Of course, we will get behind the nominee, no matter who it is. No doubt. Because we have no choice but to. It's a binary choice once the nominee is chosen. And we will support either DeSantis or Trump or whoever emerges. That's for sure. But during the primary process, I think we can weigh in. And I'm a Trump supporter. I'm behind him. Not that I don't like DeSantis. I think he he would be a good president. But President Trump was a transformative figure and would once again do that as president. Father Frank, thanks for being on the program. Friends, if you want to connect with uh, Priests for Life, you can go to endabortion.us. That's endabortion.us, and you can check out their work. Father Frank, thanks for being on the program. God bless you. Keep up the great work. You too. God bless you. So, friends, this program's all about getting you in the battle, getting you in the game. That's why we call it Activist Radio, the Mark Harrington Show, because we want you to get into the fight against the pro-abortion forces and protecting life. And so I've got a call to action today. There's two things you can do for us, the first and the unborn. And that is, first of all, you can donate to our ultrasound unit, our border states rescue unit. That is, we are outfitting right now a van, an ultrasound van that will be placed on borders of abortion havens. That is, havens like Michigan, like Illinois, like Pennsylvania. So when people, uh, women are, are crossing the border to get abortions, we can service them. We can, we can meet their needs by providing an ultrasound. We're going to set these up in front of abortion clinics in these abortion havens, these sanctuary states for abortion. And this is how we operate in a post-row America. No longer are brick-and-mortar facilities, pregnancy resource centers, going to be able to reach women the way they used to. We have to be flexible and mobile and versatile enough to be able to go where they go. And so These mobile units are the thing of the future for the pro-life movement, and we are on the cutting edge of this technology and this mission. So you can go to createdequal.org, and you can donate to the ultrasound unit. Also, you can send a letter to the CEO of Curtis Bay Medical Waste Services, Mark Zafini. Curtis Bay, if you're not already familiar with, burns unborn babies' bodies for electricity. They're a medical waste disposal company 
that picks up dead babies from abortion clinics around America and they incinerate those babies and actually use that uh, incineration process to generate electricity for the Baltimore, Maryland area. I mean, it sounds beyond belief, but it's true. And you can go to MarkHarringtonShow.com. There'll be a pop-up there for you to send a letter uh, telling the CEO of Curtis Bay, Mark Zafini, to stop uh, working with and uh, with the abortion industry. Because if we can end the uh, medical waste companies from providing these services, we can stop abortion. Now, finally, I want to talk about this clip, uh, this, this, this PBS documentary piece with Warren Hearn. Warren Hearn is an abortionist. Warren Hearn is a late-term abortionist. Warren Hearn wrote the book, Abortion Practice. It is the medical textbook for abortion. This, my, this guy's been around for 49 years, ever since Roe v. Wade was uh, handed down in 1973. And he comes on PBS and does this puff piece, talking about how great his work is, talks about his story, his spectacular story. And what I want to do is play some clips of Warren Hearn on PBS. So go ahead and play that first clip. People will stop at nothing and they will accept any level of violence to impose their views on other people. This is a violent fascist movement. Warren Hearn says it's a vi- the pro-life movement is a violent fascist movement. Nothing could be further than the truth. The pro-life movement is the most peaceful social reform movement in American history. There have been seven abortion doctors killed since 1984. All right. Now, that's seven too many. Don't get me wrong. And there's there's been very little violence or unrest surrounding the pro-life movement and the cause. If you compare this, say, to the Black Lives Matter movement that lit the country on fire in 2020, uh, it pales in comparison. So the idea that pro-lifers are violent is just blatantly false. It's a narrative that the pro-aborts have been using forever. And Warren Hearn is just parading that out. No, he's not going to knowing he's not going to get any pushback from PBS. The pro-life movement is committed to nonviolence, committed to passive resistance and peaceful uh, change. So that's a lie. Go ahead and play this next clip. Overturning Roe versus Wade is a very significant decision in American judicial history because this is the first case where a right given to the women of this country, has been taken away by the Supreme Court. He said this is a right that was given to women. Now, we have unalienable rights, the right to life, liberty, and pursuit of happiness. Governments were instituted to secure those rights. The U.S. Supreme Court invented the right to abortion in 1973. It's not a constitutional right. It's not a God-given right. It's not a right at all. So he's wrong there. Finally, the uh, Supreme Court realized that and overturned Roe v. Wade in Dobbs v. Jackson. Go ahead and play the next clip. Deserves the best medical care she can get, regardless of whether she wants to continue the pregnancy and have a baby or she wants to end the pregnancy. End the pregnancy. Now, I need to speak to this. There's two ways to end a pregnancy. The most common way is birth. That's how pregnancy is ended, naturally. Birth. So when he says end a pregnancy, what he means is not the normal birthing process that a woman would go through, 
that a mother would go through. He's talking about abortion, which isn't ending pregnancy. It's ending a life, the life of an unborn child, an innocent unborn child by dismembering, decapitating, and disemboweling that child. It's not ending a pregnancy, Warren. It's ending a life of the unborn baby. Go ahead and play the next clip. They're safe or not, and whether they're legal or not, there is no justification whatsoever for forcing a woman to carry a pregnancy to term against her will. None. He says that we're forcing women to carry uh, babies to term. Uh, Again, that's a lie as well. No one's forcing anyone to do anything. The law might say, if you do this, you will be punished for it. Uh, That's true. That's what anything, any law that makes something illegal does. It actually brings punishment. There's penalties that have to be uh, paid. But this doesn't force a woman to carry a baby to term. It doesn't at all. She can can abort if she likes illegally. And of course, then the law would be brought against her. But we have laws against murder and rape for a reason, because we have recognized murder and rape are more immoral. They're immoral and wrong. And therefore, the law needs to reflect that. All right, go ahead and play the next clip. I am Dr. Warren Hearn, and this is my brief but spectacular take on specializing in abortion services for 49 years. Brief but spectacular. Uh, There's nothing spectacular about Warren Hearn. Warren Hearn is a murderer. Warren Hearn needs to be in jail. Warren Hearn needs to pay for his crimes against humanity. Nothing spectacular about Warren Hearn. He's a murderer. He's an abortionist. The fact that he's on TV, on PBS, talking about his experiences in killing babies tells you where our culture is at. The man is a mass murderer and needs to be imprisoned. We need to have the Nuremberg trials for abortionists, just like we did the Nuremberg trials for these uh, for the Nazi doctors and others that killed and experimented on Jews. So that's my take on Warren Hearn. And uh, if you're interested in following us on Instagram, we have uh, our if you're interested in following us on social media, you can go to our Instagram account. TikTok, Facebook, all the popular podcasting and social media platforms. We'll see you next time. God bless you. God bless America. And remember America to bless God. You've been listening to Mark Harrington, your radio activist. For more information on how to make a difference for the cause of life, liberty, and justice, go to createdequal.org. To follow Mark, go to markharringtonshow.com. Be sure to tune in next time for your marching orders in the culture war.